Well, let's look in our Bibles this morning to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus, the 20th chapter. And let's take a moment today and pray. Father, we do thank you for this time we have together. We ask you to give us the goods for today, what's needed for this time, the message for the hour. May each person receive exactly what they need to receive. We thank you for your grace and mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we began a few weeks ago on this new series of messages called No Other Gods. And uh, we're going to continue today on this same subject. Let's read verse 3 of Exodus 20. The Lord said, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And so, like we said to you previously, this issue of idol worship or having a God before God is not something that is just relegated to the distant past and to ancient societies, those who are far less educated than us. These things just take on different forms, okay? In our day, people are still involved in idol worship. They're still putting things before God or people or activities some type of God before God, and that's just really unacceptable, all right? Uh, if you really want to walk with the Lord, you have to know what He likes. You have to know what, what, what He even requires for uh, you to walk closely with Him. And one of those things is this very subject. Um, he's got to have an exclusive place in your life. He's got to be number one. He's got to be on the throne. And say, well, why would... I mean, that's kind of... That's kind of asking a lot. I mean, he, why, why does he have to be number one? Actually, you know, when you think about it, uh, those, uh, f- for a person to ask that, if I were to say to you, you know, if you're going to be my friend, then I've got to be number one in your life. I mean, you might question my motives and think, well, yikes. Well, maybe I just won't then. Uh, but with the Lord, um, he does know this about himself. And that he knows everything. And he knows what's good for you. He knows how you're created, being the creator and all. And he knows this, that if you allow anything or anyone else to take that place in your life, it will end up destroying your life. God is actually doing us a favor by requiring of us that if we're going to have a relationship with him, He's got to be number one. He's got to have a place that no one else can hold. When that's true about us, we are relieved of many other uh, elements or things that could come into a person's life that ultimately works towards their destruction. Uh, We could talk about a lot of things, and and we will speak about some in the coming weeks, but, but people elevate certain things in their lives today that are actually harmful to their lives. And by a person committing themselves fully and only to the Lord, they remove the possibility of some other false god or of such working, wrecking havoc in their life, messing with their mind and their priorities and their relationships. And, uh, and again, the Lord, by saying, you're going to walk with me? Okay, you have no other gods before me. He's really doing us a favor. 
All right. Although the flesh sometimes may scream, but I like this and I want this and and this is something I want in my life. Uh, if we'll trust him, we'll find out that he's right every time. I found that out with sometimes you read news stories and you find they did, they've done a survey. They did a study. Took 10 years. Took 20 years. And what they determined at the end of this study you know if it was an honest one, because not all of them are, but uh, that what they determined, and they, they figured out uh, through a lot of work and hard, uh, you know, dollars spent, spent into this study, that God was right. Now, they, they don't say it that way, but they say, we determined that it's wrong to do this, it's bad to do this. Well, we knew that before the study. It makes sense, but sometimes uh, people nowadays, uh, you know, they don't, they don't want to accept it. It was you know, the book was written thousands of years ago, and, uh, you know, we need a, a modern, updated study to tell us that God's right. <laughs> Again, we don't put it in the, that, those type of, that, that type of terminology. You know, like the example, this, people do these studies about, about marriage. And they, they've done a lot of studies that determine that if, cause, because this is real popular today, uh, that if a couple lives together first or if they you know what we call shacking up they shack up first as kind of a trial run they're the the percentage of those people about that relationship splitting is way up as opposed to the people who commit first you know i mean they get to know each other and so forth but then they commit and then live together in a in a marriage the the divorce rates and split rates are way down in comparison now, I could have told you that without the study. Why? Even though I wouldn't put it in the, count it in the exact same terms, I would have just said, you know, let's go ahead and go with God on this one. Sometimes your mind tells you, well, it makes more sense to do it this way. I mean, that, yeah, let's trial run this baby. Let's practice for a while and, uh, you know, see if this is right. I'll just tell you up front. And I see, I didn't need the study. I'm glad the study helps some people, but most people ignore the study anyway. Just tell you, you're likely uh, going to ruin that relationship if you do it that way. That's just the way it works. God knew what He was talking about when He said to do it a certain way. And whatever we run into in life, don't dismiss the word and wisdom of God and say that's old-fashioned or, or that, that's just for another time or another era. No, it's the word of truth for all times. For all people, in all circumstances, all financial states, all races, all countries, it works when you follow God's plan. Amen. Amen. And we ought to stay with that. Praise God. Look at Psalm chapter 24 with me. Psalm chapter 24. Talking about having no other gods. Talking about idol worship. Talking about living a life fully and completely committed to him. Of course, last week, you remember, we redid our vows. Amen. Should carry us for a little while again. Psalm 24 and verse 3. It says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? That's a good question. Well, verse 4 gives us the answer. It says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted his soul 
to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. In other words, those who are close and walk closely with the Lord, who, as the psalmist said, can ascend into the hill of the Lord or stand in His holy place, it's the person with clean hands and a pure heart. How many know uh, your heart condition is very important and valuable with the Lord? Having a heart that is pure is something that goes a long way with Him. In fact, a person can have everything together outwardly. They look the part, they act the right way, but there's a lack of purity in their heart that is a hindrance in walking with God. And though not everyone else around, and sometimes hardly anyone else, really knows what's happening on the inside, the Lord knows everything. And it would do us well to have the type of commitment with the Lord where we can honestly say there is, no, there is nothing else there. There is no one else that takes that place. There was no one else that is uh, polluting my heart in relationship to the Lord's place in my life. In Matthew chapter 5, let's read this one as well. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. Of course, these are what are called the Beatitudes from the, uh, from the Lord's Sermon on the Mount. It says in verse 8, Matthew 5 and verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? See God. The pure see. The pure see God. The pure in heart. Amen. That's not just talking about pure in action. We want to have good actions. We want to have clean hands. But a, a pure heart is very valuable with the Lord. I was thinking about this word pure, so I just you know, looked it up in the dictionary. And it said this, and it just fits right along with what we're saying. And, of course, I, I ran into n- numerous scriptures that deal with this subject. Pure means not mixed or adulterated with any other substance or material. Think about your heart now with the Lord. Not mixed or adulterated with any other substance or material without any extraneous and unnecessary elements, free of any contamination, wholesome and untainted by immorality. This is what it means to be pure. And with our relationship with God, of course, there is a great temptation for people to become polluted or things to be mixed in with their heart and that is a big hindrance in their relationship with God there really ought to be nothing between you and the Lord amen in other words a lot of people uh, they receive the Lord and of course they're saved but that relationship with God sometimes has undealt with issues the Lord moves on you to go here and or make an adjustment in one area of your life to make this change, to deal with this attitude, deal with this motive, deal with this behavior, and we resist or we just turn away and act like it's unimportant, what's happening is we're allowing those things to come between the Lord and us. And that is going to hinder your fellowship. You know... This is like, I'm just trying to think of a better illustration than the purse that I used last night. Uh, what? 
Yeah, come up here. We'll use the pulpit. We know this in in natural relationships, um, of course, a marriage or you know other friendships as well. If the relationship is going to be at its maximum, to the full, um, there can't be anything between you. Like right now, of course, ideal relationship is we can be close with nothing between us. There's no issues, and I'm not talking physically, but the physical illustrates it. All right, but if we allow things to come between us, we can only get so close. All right, we, 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 we may want to have a great relationship, but we, we can't really be super close because there's something in the way. And I'm talking about things in the heart. The Lord wants things. The Lord wants a pure heart. There's nothing else contaminating or coming between. Now, if a even in a natural relationship, if people over time they don't deal with stuff that's between them, they'll they'll probably exist depending on how much is there. But many times, uh, many times in marriages, people exist for decades, and and things are okay. I mean, they can talk, they can touch, they're kind of close. They're just, but they're not really close. There's always something. But it's in the mind, it's in the heart that is keeping that relationship from becoming the full of what it really can be and what it ought to be. Only way to, only way to uh, fix that is to rid any contamination, rid any blockage, okay, that's been allowed to stay there. Sometimes it's unforgiveness, sometimes it's just uh, annoyances, sometimes, well, it, it can be many different things. But how many know if those things build up over time, what happens? A relationship gets further and further away. And we've all probably understood this. We've all had relationships at times where people were at arm's length from us. There was just something you couldn't get really close to them because of this one unresolved or five unresolved issues and things that were present. And you had to deal with that. Otherwise, you just had to be okay with, okay, this person's going to be my friend, but they're never going to be super close. Or this person I'm married to, I guess we'll stay, we'll stick it out, but your heart's not really satisfied with it. Okay, and if you get, of course, if it gets, if you let enough stack up, pretty soon you hardly, hardly even know each other. You're just not close at all. And and with the Lord, you know, sometimes people will will talk about, uh, you know, how it's just so hard, so difficult to really hear from God, to know what the Lord's saying. Well, how much have you let stack up between you? How many times has He has He led you in areas or dealt with you about things? And you ignored or just pushed it aside or act like it was unimportant. And those things built up over time. Well, he might be a mile down the road now. Know what I'm talking about? He said, it's hard to hear. Well, you got to, he's almost got to yell at you now. Because you've let so many things build up over time. And I know theologically speaking, the Lord's not far from you. He's right there with you. But in practical terms of a relationship, the more we let get cluttered in our hearts and let things build up, the more we're going to have a difficult time being tight with him. Amen. And so we want to be pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Look, look at James chapter 1 with me. James chapter 1. See, it wasn't too long ago, even in our society, where when people would marry, when a man and woman would marry, 
the white dress, remember it used to signify something? It signified, you know, purity, signified virginity, and uh, it was something that was highly valued in our society. It was highly valued between the, the, the man and the woman about to marry. It was very important, and it was something that was uh, celebrated. Now, you know, things have kind of deteriorated in that area in our society, and people don't give much thought towards that anymore. It's not so important anymore it's not such a big deal well that's the same thing people do in their relationship with god okay certain things that at one time were highly valued and very important and relationships with god were able to be tight and close and there was nothing else that could come in the way well over time people allow their understanding their commitment to the lord to be watered down and now the things, the things that used to be very important to them, things they used to hold in high esteem and high regard, now, well, you know, it's okay now. I mean, everybody's like that. I mean, everybody's pregnant when they get married now. You know what I'm talking about? And, and people have a, their commitment to God. Well, everybody's that way. I mean, every, people just do their own thing and they go their own way, and, and that's just how you serve the Lord today. Well, the thing is, who moved? It wasn't the Lord who changed about some of this. It was us. It wasn't God who changed his mind. Is we've become watered down in our commitments and our dedication to him, and we've allowed other things to come in, and that relationship is contaminated. Okay? There's obstructions there, and it's not like the Lord doesn't love us or doesn't want, the, doesn't want his best for us, but it's just not the same. Okay? It's, it's, just, not all, it's just not all up to God where he's just going to make everything be dynamic and, 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 and perfect in all that he intended for us to have with him We've got to clean some stuff out. Everybody with me today? James chapter 1 verse 27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble. And that last phrase I want to focus on, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. See, this is pure and undefiled with God. It is to keep ourselves unspotted from the world what happens if we're mingling in the world's affairs too much we get dirty we get spots on us and the lord wants you to have no spots <laughs> the lord wants you to be uh, not ha- not have your your harder relationship with him contaminated by the world in any way now we're we're in the world we know we're not of the world we are to ha- uh, have relationships with people in the world because we're loving them to jesus and uh, i gotta understand what we're saying but to be um too close to elements of the world that can take god's place in our life what does that do it gets you dirty it messes you up it affects your heart it affects your way of thinking and if i'm not thinking like the lord and if my heart isn't uh, committed solely and fully unto him i will not be able to walk completely with him without any hindrance or anything else first uh, timothy chapter five just take a left right before hebrews you run into timothy first you'll run into second timothy and then you'll run into first timothy i guess they're brothers timothy and my brother timothy amen when we talk about a person being pure in heart we're talking about motives talking about innocence we're talking about undivided interests and talking about a place that only the lord can hold in our hearts 
First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 says, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart. What's the reason the Lord gives a commandment? Love from a pure heart, from a good conscience and from sincere faith. So it's possible for a person to not have a pure heart, for a Christian not to have a pure heart. Now it's not talking about your spirit. Your spirit is pure in Christ by the blood of Jesus, washed clean and made right, made holy. If that's not what it's talking about, but it's uh, but it's dealing with the other side, of, the other part of the inward man, which is the soul. All right, dealing with the heart is something that can be contaminated. But the Lord gave us com- a commandment so that we would have a pure heart. Is it okay for us just to go through the motions? is that acceptable with the Lord as long as we do the right thing as long as we go the right places go to the right places and and say the right things and pray and you know whatever we do the right thing that's not all that God is interested in we must not be confused about that he is looking deeper than that and he just what doesn't want us to for example here today just to be here bodily bodily we're present in the house. Okay, fine. But you know that that's not the issue with the Lord. He wants your heart. Now, your heart doesn't go where your body's not, by the way. <laughs> Amen. That's just a side note. For the person who says, well, you know, I never go, but my heart's there. Lying. <laughs> Lying like a dog. Lying like a rug. <laughs> uh but, however, it's possible for a person to bodily be somewhere and not be there in their heart. And that's what the Lord is interested in. There are Christians today, they're saved, God loves them, but they're just going through the motions. And I'm concerned for that person, lest there's an idol in their life. It's not a little carved image on their shelf, probably not lighting candles around it. But there's something in their heart that they're far more interested in than the Lord. And a relationship with God is very difficult if you really don't want it. You can make yourself read. Read the Word and find out what God's thinking. You can make yourself pray. But ultimately, you've got to get to the place where your heart is in it. And that's when it's really alive. That's when it's what God intended it for it to be. Amen. Let's look at Titus chapter 1. We're hanging out right over here at the end of the New Testament, of course. Uh, Titus chapter 1. All right, I can't find it. There it is. <laughs> I had to admit it to you. I couldn't find it there. <laughs> Those little books kind of uh, escape you sometimes. Right after Second t- Timothy. Titus chapter 1 and verse 15. It says, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Notice again, to the pure, all things are pure. One definition of the word pure in the the Greek from the Strong's Concordance is, is clear. It's like to the pure, all things are clear. They're able to see things correctly but to the defiled everything becomes tainted everything is ruined 
uh, by the defiled glasses that they're looking through. They're defiled. They, 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 they don't have a pure heart. And so they see everything through that. You, you've known people and you can clearly identify. Man, they got issues. And because there are their issues, they see everyone else through those same issues. You know, you've heard this before that hurting people hurt people. Yeah, I think there's some truth to statements like that. When people are really uh, in a certain condition in their heart, man, that's how they, they, they live out of that. And they view other people out of that. And they begin to harm others and, and do things to others that they would not do if there was a purity there, if there was a, clean, a, 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 a clarity there. Again, uh, Matthew, Jesus said in Matthew, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see. And here to the pure, all things are pure. There's something about being uncontaminated in your heart and having that relationship with God with no one else or nothing else coming into that place that allows you to see clearly, that allows you to operate on a level that many unbelievers are not able to do. Are are you a kind of person who's a rule bender? Uh, You know, kind of... You know, living in the gray area, just kind of playing around in, in, in things that, you know, kind of questionable, but you convince yourself that it's really not that big a deal, it's really okay. Well, uh, those kind of people are pushing their conscience to an edge. They're trying to maintain a walk with God, but they're not able to. You see, to the unbelieving, to those who are defiled, uh, it has to do with their mind and has to do with their conscience. Your conscious conscience is your best friend, by the way. It, your conscience is the preacher that lives with you <laughs> every single day. But if we train ourselves, and we've all done this, but it's 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 really unhealthy. If we train ourselves to ignore our conscience, to override it, what happens is that voice gets smaller and smaller and smaller over time. Pretty soon, it'll let you do anything because it'll be preaching away, but you turn the mic off. <laughs> know what I'm talking about, and you can hardly hear it, and your conscience will talk, and you'll turn the radio up a little bit louder. Pretty soon, you won't even know that it's there, and this is something we must avoid if we're ever going to stay safe because it keeps us from uh, out of situations and behaviors that are very harmful to our lives, and, and we don't want to be the kind of people that you know, kind of live on the edge. I used to, we used to live by the Snake River Canyon, and I use that illustration sometimes. Sometimes when I used to talk to youth a lot, and they'd always asking questions about uh, how far is too far. You know that question with singles, how how far is too far? Well, one of the things I'd tell them is, if you don't want to fall in the Snake River Canyon, don't walk on the edge, (laughs) and you can be guaranteed not to fall in. And what happens sometimes is Christians want to, you know, we, we, we know, okay, that would be wrong. This would be a wrong, this would be sinful in my life to get involved with this. But I can do this. I can get right up there close to the edge. I'm good, huh? I know a lot of people who are playing around on the edge and fell in. It's that slippery slope type of thing. You, you play around there long enough, you're going down. Wisdom says, If I don't want to go in there, if that would be bad, if that would be wrong, if that would be harmful, I'm going to go ahead and stay over here. And I'm guaranteed not to fall in there. Let's not be messing around with so-called gray areas. 
this might be okay. I think I can get away with this. I think this is acceptable. In, in the meantime, your, your, your heart is telling you, uh-uh, no, 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 don't do it. Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. And we act like we don't hear it. Well, that seems good. I prayed. Yeah, I prayed. It's good. I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. I know so-and-so, they did that. They do this and everything looks okay with them. One, you don't see them. You don't know. Two, <laughs> you might be appointed to a presidential can- cabinet position someday and then you'll have to pay your taxes. <laughs> might as well just go ahead and pay them now, <laughs> just in case. Amen. But the other thing, you know, when our walk with God, how many know the Lord doesn't always deal with everyone on the same calendar? He may deal with one person about something in their life that he wants them to make an adjustment in, and someone else is doing the same thing, and the Lord's not dealing with them about it right now. We need to understand that that's true, and just because we think, well, so-and-so, they're involved in this, and I don't see anything wrong. Everything seems to be fine with their life. Well, what's the Lord talking to you about, though? It's not what is the Lord talking to someone else about. What's he talking to you about? That's what's an actionable item in your life today. That's what must be implemented in your life today or you'll go downhill. Amen. Amen. You know, I was reading in the Old Testament and in the book of Deuteronomy and some other places, there's some really odd commandments. I mean, they're not written to us. They're written to them under the law. But there's some odd commandments back there. Uh, and I was reading, like one of them is uh, Deuteronomy 22:11 says, You shall not wear a garment of different sorts, such as wool and linen mixed together. And you got commandments about not growing your sideburns. And you got commandments about, about uh, not mixing seeds together right before this one. And, and you got this, you know, you can't wear a blend and uh, and you think what, what in the world is going on? And, you know, there's other there's other commandments. I remember reading uh, reading the one about the donkey. You know, the, the, they said about the firstborn donkey. If the donkey wasn't redeemed or bought back by a, a lamb, then they they, w- they were told to break the donkey's neck. Oh, poor donkey! You think what in the world does God have against donkeys? Actually, you know what? He gave the command, but he doesn't have anything against donkeys per se. The Lord created donkeys, likes donkeys pretty good. Uh, even used one to speak through one time. <laughs> but how many know, so a lot of those commandments back then, uh, some of them are used, some of them were uh, given because of some idolatrous practices of some of the ancient societies and the Lord was countering them with a commandment to avoid certain things that related to other nations in their day. Sometimes it was because of health reasons uh, that because of, again, their, the way they did things in their time and their culture and their activities, uh, certain things they were told, don't do this. But it was related to some of the things they had. However, there are other things like, for example, the donkey I believe the main and primary purpose of breaking the donkey's neck uh, had to do with a prophetic picture of what would happen in the future. The donkey is basically a type of all people in the world. 
It's a shadow, type and shadow of all people in the world, how that if they're not redeemed, they die. And that donkey had to be purchased back. And you had to be purchased back by the blood of Jesus. And a lot of these things were shown in the sacrificial offerings of their day, basically pointing to Jesus, how he would one day be our spotless lamb, and he would be slain for us so that we could be, in other words, the Lord was buying us back so we wouldn't have to die and be separated from God forever. And I was thinking about the the whole issue with the seeds and with the the clothing and not having things blended together. Uh, Well, in our walk with God, there's a great temptation for people to mix, mix stuff together. We've got God and our relationship with Him, and people want to mix in other elements that the Lord's not happy with. He said, this place is only for me. I will not share my glory with another. I will not have anything else come into this place. It's an exclusive relationship, and you must set aside everything else. This is vitally important with the Lord that we have that type of relationship. Sometimes people will mix, and this is big time today. People mix their righteousness with God's righteousness. How many know that we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ? But so many times people today, they receive the Lord, they're saved, they're on their way to heaven, but then they're tempted to begin to get into a works mentality where if I'm not doing enough good things, if I'm not praying enough praying hard enough, I'm not reading enough, doing enough good works, then somehow God's ticked off at me. Somehow God's angry at me. No, He's not. Because He looks at you through Jesus and sees washed and clean and holy. Now, we should do good things, but I'm not coming to church so God will be happy with me. I don't read my Bible because I think God's going to be angry with me if I don't. has nothing to do with that. My righteousness is in Him. And nothing I do can improve on that. I don't want to mix my righteous uh, deeds with the righteousness of God in Christ and have that be my standing. God loves me, and I would maybe would never say this, but I think because I'm a nice guy. God loves me because I help people in need. I, I have right standing with God because I give a lot of money. has nothing to do with that. The Lord loves you independent of anything that you do. Our righteousness is found only in Christ. I don't want to mix anything with that that hinders the place that I'm to have with the Lord. Let's look at, uh, let's look at this other thing. 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. And uh, we must not only keep ourselves from sin and keep compromise out of our lives but there's also an element where a person can partake in the sins of others and somehow be a part of someone else's sin that doesn't help amen first timothy 5 and verse 22 it says do not lay hands on anyone hastily nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. And again, here's the language again. Talking to saved people. Washed and cleansed, forgiven by the blood, right? Keep yourself pure. How do I keep myself pure? Apparently, my relationships with other people and what I do in relationship to others can have a tainting effect upon my walk with God. 
And in here he's talking about laying on of hands. I believe specifically uh, he's referring to giving your credibility or your stamp of approval to someone else. One way that the laying on of hands is used is to ordain people or set people apart to their call or to the work of the ministry. Okay, and he's telling Timothy as a as a pastor here um, to watch out who he puts his approval on. Don't quickly just lay your hands on people and send them out into ministry because if if you don't know them and if you if you don't know the commitment of their heart, you're actually you bear some degree of responsibility when they mess when they mess everything up. Hmm, well, that's pretty interesting. It brings a soberness to, uh, to, to supporting others and, and, and what, they, what they do. In other words, we should know what we're getting involved with. Our relationships with other people are very, very important. Sometimes we use the term uh, about a person's commitment to God. We'll say, that person is sold out. They are sold out to the Lord. And I, I was thinking, you know, if you go to a store and they're sold out of something, you know, at Christmas, people try to get the we. You know about the we? And, and it sells out everywhere. Uh, what, what does it mean if a store has no more we's? It, it means there aren't any left. If they're sold out, there are no more. What does it mean for a believer, a child of God, to be sold out to the Lord? It means there is nothing left to give to any other God. It means I've given my whole heart, my full commitment, all of my life to Him, and I've not reserved anything else. I've not kept back any part that I can expend on something else. There's nothing left. That's the type of commitment that is necessary to experience this great and wonderful life with the lord go ahead you know i don't this isn't for everyone but it's for some go ahead and risk it go ahead and take a chance go ahead and say lord i'm gonna give it all to you i'm telling you you won't regret it i'm telling you if you've been living half-hearted You've been living with a half effort towards God. You, you do want Him in your life. You would never say, no, I reject the Lord. I, I, don't, I, I don't like God. I don't want Him in my You wouldn't do that. But you know, when you analyze your own heart, you, you've consistently kept something back, reserved something for yourself. Well, what about me? You know, there, it just makes a big difference when someone's willing to go all out. Amen. Brock, have you ever coached any football players who are half-hearted? They're not good. Yeah. Sometimes probably you see a lot of talent in some, but they just won't won't give it all. And you see someone with less talent, they give it all, and that's the kind of person you want, willing to willing to go go for it. That's the kind of commitment we should have with the Lord. Let me let me read you a couple of scriptures in closing here. In Psalm chapter 9 and verse 1, I won't take the time to turn. Psalmist said, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. How will he praise the Lord? With a whole heart. Whole, not H-O-L-E, not a hole in my heart. 
a whole complete, my complete heart. That's how I'm going to praise you, Lord. My whole heart. That's, I'm telling you, that means something to the Lord when a person gives their whole heart. Psalm 119 verse 2 said, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. And in Jeremiah 3 and verse 10, Lord uh, speaks of a, says the sister Judah, who has turned to me, who has not turned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense. This is not something that necessarily I can see in you, or you can see in me. But it is something the Lord is very much aware of when we sing to him. He knows how much of your heart he's got. Amen. And, uh, you know, sometimes with people committing yourself fully to a person, that's, that can be, you know, that can be hard for some because there's the, there's the fear sometimes of, uh, that I won't be fully accepted that I won't be fully loved. But I want you to know the Lord knows you. Inside out, knows your past, knows your present, knows your future. And He knows your future isn't going to be perfect, by the way. And still, He embraces you fully, accepts, accepts you fully, is not going to keep you at arm's length, arm's length because He knows you're going to blow it at different times. Fully accepted. Isn't that good news? Amen. But that relationship with God, that commitment is what should govern our lives. We were talking uh, last week or before uh, about Joseph. And remember how Potiphar's wife, Joseph was working for Potiphar, and Potiphar had put him in charge of all his stuff. This is over in Genesis 39. And, uh, and given him charge over all his house. But Potiphar's wife had a flesh problem because Joseph was good looking, the Bible says. And uh, and. Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with Joseph and kept pressuring him, pressuring him. And uh, he resisted, he resisted. And at one point he said, how can I do this wicked thing? This, how can I do this great wickedness? And this is the phrase that's always stood out to me in that passage. He said, and sin against my God. He was not avoiding Potiphar's wife simply because he knew he'd be in trouble with the man. Simply because he thought, you know, man, I'm, I could go to jail. I could, get boot, I could get the boot out of here. That was not his motive. He was conscious of his relationship with the Lord. And that is what motivated him. He said, I can't do this. And you would think because, well, it's against the law. You know, that, that's what governs some people's actions. Well, I can't do this. That would be breaking the law. Well, fine. You should obey the law. Or I can't do this because someone might think wrong of me. I can't do this because I've got to lead a good example for my children. Okay, those are all fine reasons. There is something that should exceed and precede all those uh, motives. And that is, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against my God? It's that awareness that He's there. He's with me wherever I go. No matter what I do, He is there. And that relationship matters to me more than my relationship with the country. You know, as far as being in jail or being free. That relationship matters to me more than what people in the church might think. More than people at my job might think of me. 
I'm more concerned about and mostly conscious of the fact that if I do this wicked thing, uh, it'll hurt my relationship with God. And that's what matters most. Father, thank you today for helping us to see, for helping us to recognize those things that matter to you, those things that matter most to you. And Lord, it is our heart's commitment, as we said to you last week, and it's our heart's desire to serve only you and to let no other God come before you. Father, help us, I pray, today and all this week to recognize any area of compromise in our lives for whatever reason and whatever motive, whether it's an inward hurt or pain or whether it's an outward temptation or desire, help us to recognize that there's only one person who can hold that preeminent place in our lives and in our hearts. And Lord, we've given it to you. And so we will maintain, we will walk conscious of your presence. And our, of our understanding of you and who you are. Lord, thank you for helping each one today to be in that place and let nothing take them away. You're doing a faithful work in us. We will not despise that. We will not make light of it. What a good thing you're doing. Father, I do pray for those who are on the fence. Some things in their lives, they're not really, and they're just kind of pl- trying to play both sides here. Not willing to, haven't been willing to commit the whole way, commit their whole hearts. Lord, show them your love and your And I just pray that you draw them to yourself, even as I know that you are through this message. Give them the courage to take the step. Commit to you. Be sold out. Hold nothing else left for anything else. I give you the praise. Your your grace enables us to do it. Father, I do thank you. And I I pray for, for those who've come today who've never been saved.